0: magic and mythos a deep dive into the history of magic with With two modern mages welcome welcome we're back again and this time we're here for spooky Samhain (laughs) oh remember that song spooky scary scary skeletons or something I'm totally messing that up I I have it Never, I've maybe heard that song one time. I
1: think I'm totally butchering it. You. Is that Anyways, a child
0: song? It is. It okay. is.
1: It, okay. There was There's like this cartoon of these like skeletons and they're like
0: dancing around and it's like spooky, scary skeletons. It reminds me of that one guy that um, Tom Hanks plays at Halloween. <laughs> Wait, what guy? I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> I think we're both lost. I think we're both lost. It's, uh, it's okay. We're still here in quarantine as <laughs> yes. are everyone else that we know. Hopefully. So you understand the, the craziness. Yeah. The brain, brain patterns that were the brain missing right now. Yeah, exactly. So today, I mean, it's, I'm excited to talk about Sawin. This is hands down my favorite time of year. It's also a really kick ass time to have kicked this podcast off. Yes. And the fact that we get to Dig into the history of, to me, one of the most important holidays and times of year for my practice and yeah. for the kind of religion that I very remotely rock. Like, yeah, yeah. For it's, religion, it's for a, lack of a it's better term.
1: apropos, as you know, we released our the podcast in October, October fifth
0: hey and uh, now we're now we have to do that cool yeah right
1: <laughs> hi. yep so yeah and so it it just felt right it was the right time of the year as you you know for pagans Sawin is the new year
0: so it's a good time yeah kicking it off kicking so it of off. course we had to start here essentially start here
1: yes exactly S- that's second. why
0: this episode is dedicated to Sawin. yeah and it's also yeah it's just it's a A cool time of year. I'll tell you, I have this memory of the most special sawin' season October-ish time that is just when I think of the time of this time of year, it's always this vibe. So it's like I'm in college in Georgia in the middle of of bumfuck nowhere. And I have I'm in my little bungalow house that I live in with another turd of a human being, (laughs) as most of us were in college. And my cat, I remember, the, the door's open. I'm in the living room. My cat's with me. He's a kitten. Yeah. He's a teenage kitten. I remember thinking, am I going to love you when you're like an adult kitten and you're not so cute and cuddly? <laughs> and this is
1: Cosmo, right? Your yeah. current cat? Oh. And he's
0: all white. He's long-haired white cat, Turkish Angora. He, I named him Cosmo because he's the brightest star in my sky. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, um, that's so cute him. and so cheesy. I and love he's it. my baby. And so... I was He's here sitting from there in my bungalow, and he was playing around me. The front doors open. The breeze is happening. I am watching Scariest Places on Earth. Love it, which is the bomb. Super, <laughs> super creepy. And I, I, I love that show. Jo- is it still on? I don't think so. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it. But it was brilliant,
0: one. and they really got some families up in these scary places, like Pavilia, Please, yes, I'm not going. And. Yeah, and I just have this really beautiful memory of watching those episodes over and over and thinking, like, this is the most perfect moment in my life. Yeah. And I still go there. That is still my happy place that one particular October afternoon. So that's, like, what I think about when I think about this time of year. And I really cherish it. So this is an important time of year for me. And now is even... More important, because I had some exciting things happen oh, last week. Oh,
1: yeah. Why don't you share exactly <laughs> okay. what is... It, that? Is pretty big. It, pretty big two, stuff. A couple
0: really big things. So one is that I, for the first time ever, have become a homeowner. Congratulations. What? what? <laughs> it's especially crazy to me to think... I mean, a year ago, I wouldn't even have thought it was possible, but I just... I mean, with quarantine, I've saved a lot and yeah. stimulus check Nothing and a couple is other impossible. things. And it was just wild that it happened so quickly. And so now I have this really beautiful house in Portland and I can't wait to move in. We have a little bit of time before that happens, but I'm so excited. So then the night that we closed on the house, my boyfriend, Chris, proposed to me. <laughs> so I did say yes. You're a taken woman. I'm a taken woman, y'all, and so (laughs) I am now a homeowner and on my way towards mariage, which is mind blowing. I love that mariage, mariage, marriage, and I'm just sort of floating in this world of what? That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. So
1: it's pretty exciting.
0: It's all you know, like yeah, it's all. It's so fitting. It's a good time of year it's a good time of year and there's some new year there's you know 2020 has been rectified slightly yes a lot of a lot of bull honky happening right now but
1: bull honky yes yeah but i'm excited so that's yeah that's exciting and i'm so glad that we could all share this with you thank you yay yay i love it Uh, no and i agree with you Sawin has always had this time of year has always had a special place in my heart I remember from being a child, this is before I even like practiced or looked into to witchcraft or anything like that. I just remember always being such a fan of Halloween and that being my favorite time of the year. I've mentioned this probably before and I will probably mention this again. I have the worst memory.
0: So yep, when I do remember same.
1: certain instances from my childhood, I feel like it's for a reason, right? And mm-hmm. so I always clearly remember just always loving halloween and i still remember having this one halloween where i was like i don't know six maybe younger maybe five dressing up as Belle because Belle at that time was one of my favorite Disney characters and wearing the big yellow poofy gown and I love that yeah but just always being in love with the season and always just
0: being in love with everything at that time yeah the the fall leaves and cider and all the smells and pumpkins everywhere the colors are beautiful oh yeah
1: so I did grow up in in california though in los angeles and so i was always sad because when i got to the age where i could understand that there were actually there's these things that did exist outside of Cali- los angeles right. called
0: seasons yeah i've heard of them
1: <laughs> yeah yes. ours
0: in georgia is just like hot yes and yeah then very cold and then hot
1: yeah and for for los angeles is just hot so just dry and hot (laughs) yeah so when i could when i actually knew about these things called seasons and i i would look them up and 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 you know i started traveling i i always remember being like oh, I can't wait to live somewhere where I could feel fall in the air right. and see fall around me. And so oh. being in the Pacific
0: Northwest is like perfection. Totally. And there's nothing like it, right? Like the first time that you smell somebody's yeah. chimney going.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh. Or you see, you, you know, you walk down the street and you start seeing the beautiful oranges yeah. and reds and yellows and the leaves. I
0: love it. I'm happy to live here.
1: Yeah. It's it, honestly, I love the Pacific Northwest. It's just I think we're a little spoiled. We yeah. you know, it's just I take beautiful the rain. Houses. I'll take
0: the rain to get the rest of it. Oh, totally. I mean, it's worth the cost, right? Yeah. And it must be like it it reminds me of what, what I hear women say about childbirth and this idea that you forget about it quickly. <sighs> yes. When, like, I forget about how much rain there is in Portland. It's which is, right is why now. I've been here for almost a decade. Uh, yeah. Because you get rain for nine straight months, and then it's purely sunny for three months, and that three months of sun erases the other it does. nine months of the year.
1: <laughs> it does because I know those nine months. I'm like, I need, I, I need
0: something. I I'm need like, give sun. all need... the vitamin D that you have. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: No, absolutely. It really
1: does. It, it you know, like right now, it's it's still warm here, right? So we're like, oh, you know, we can deal with the rain, right? I
0: know. <laughs> Talk and to come us. February, let's let's see
1: how we feel in a couple more episodes oh, down the yeah. line.
0: Rough. So,
1: anyways, we're super excited that you are with us during this special Sawin episode. Absolutely. And just kind of going right into it. So, Sawin is one of the eight Sabbaths celebrated on the Wheel of the Year. And in case you are not aware, the Wheel of the Year is the annual cycle of seasonal festivals observed by many modern pagans. And so the Sabbaths consist of the year's chief solar events. So that includes solstices and equinoxes and the midpoints between them. I'll name off each of the eight. And I but I do want to kind of have this footnote that, you know, the names for each of the festivals can vary among diverse pagan traditions.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk about the ones that we're the most familiar with.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, you have in bulk, which happens in February, takes place in February. And then you have Ostera, which takes place in March. You have Beltane, which takes place in May. You have Litha in June. You have Lunace in August. You have Mabon in September. You have obviously Sawin in the end of October, beginning November. And you have Yule in December. And so I. Yule! Christmas. That's my second favorite. Second favorite, easily. Yeah. Snow, hot chocolate. I yep. love it. Oh,
0: love <laughs> it. Yeah. It's it's a great time Christmas of year lights. as well. I love I love lights on houses. Oh The first yes. time I ever lived somewhere, I could do that. I almost lost my mind. Oh, you're and you're gonna. I was like that. Clark Griswold, getting up on a ladder. Yay! Now I just kind of toss a string up and see where it lands. You're like, but... oh
1: yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that, there you go, lights.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so don't. I got to say, don't worry. We plan to go deeper into each of the Sabbaths during future episodes. And basically how it's going to work is you can expect those episodes to come out during the corresponding months that the Sabbaths take place yeah maybe not lining up completely but within but that close same couple weeks yeah exactly so maybe not on the day of or the days of but you know in that you know definitely corresponding to the months as yeah close as possible. and I hope to
0: make them happen beforehand so we can give you some ideas for some rituals and things you can do yourself that is the idea exactly we'll that. that's what we're no gonna promises. aim for because <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and so Going back to Sawin, it's a festival usually celebrated from October 31st to November 1st. But even then, that varies between traditions and locations. It's a festival that welcomes in the harvest, clears out the old and embraces the new. Mm. And so it's really a time to reflect on your journey through life. And it is the division between the
0: lighter half of the year, which is summer, mm-hmm. and the
1: darker half, which is winter.
0: Yeah, because that's right. That's daylight savings time, is that?
1: Yeah. And fall well, equinox. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So I know when people usually think of Samhain, they think of more modern day traditions like Halloween and dressing up in costumes, trick or treating, and just like the overall general spookiness. Oh, the good I old mean, that's what I think Michael about. Myers, yeah. Freddy Krueger. Um, the boys. A, the, oh, yeah. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> but the festival actually originates from ancient Celtic spiritual
0: tradition so that's like 2500 years ago i'm not surprised yeah that would have been wild and, i mean those are my people like those I come yeah from the, yeah the that's Cults crazy the, yeah interesting well
1: it's also interesting because i feel like there are a lot of traditions that tend to come from long ago right but it's it's interesting to see tragi- like how those traditions transition right
0: and also how they stay very similar right but maybe how they change intention or ownership, so to speak. Yeah, 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 great point.
1: And so for this, the the Celts it was actually considered one of the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals. The and fire festival. The, no, not, not
0: not that fire. Not festival. that fire <laughs> festival. No, 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 no. Oh Lord. Oh Lord.
1: But yeah, so in early texts, it's actually presented as like a mandatory celebration. And so it was a mandatory celebration that lasted three days and three nights. And basically, if you didn't show up and you didn't participate, there was some sort of punishment from the gods. And that was like either illness or death.
0: You know, just just death. You know, no problem. I feel so sorry for the introverts. Yeah,
1: I know. Like to me, someone for me who loves loves, loves, loves
0: Samhain. I'm like, three days, three nights, that's not enough. Can we do a month? Oh, my God. And I'm an introvert. I'm like, I'm happy for like four trick-or-treaters to come by. And otherwise, I'm like, (laughs) I'm a witch. Get away from me. I need to be with my cauldron bubbling. And... So I might have I might have a hard time. You might have a hard time. But I wonder what level of well, participation was necessary to avoid extreme exactly. Punishment. <laughs> I
1: think ex- Yeah, you show your face. You you do the bonfire. Yeah. You do pop the out feast. the door exactly. What's up y'all, pop your head up. Yeah, you're like what up, happy Sawin <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you know you had to basically do this celebration. So Fair. not really any choice. And so this time of year in Sawin coincides with the end of the growing season so you had a time where you would see that vegetation was dying back because of the killing frost as this was happening there was literally death in the air and so it's this occurrence in the natural world that contributes to like this ancient notion that at saw when the veil is thin between the world of the living and the realm of the dead
0: yeah i mean it just reminds me so much both of the things that you just said, of the death card in the tarot, yeah, because that's so much about closing one chapter and beginning a new one. But there's still this idea of death and the kind of, yeah, I think closeness, or, or it's like almost just a reminder of you we go through all these transitions and that is just another transition that we go through. And like you see the trees go through it every year and plants and things. So why we talked about it in the book of
1: the dead and how they saw this in their natural occurrence. And so that how they thought, okay, well, if it happens to vegetation, then why wouldn't it happen to us and our souls and our spirits? Exactly. And I actually quite like that because this is a time of the year where we're going to remember all that we've lost. Right so all the people that we have lost let's take a moment to not just remember them but try to reconnect exactly and so that's really beautiful and so again this is a time where the veil is thin the barrier between the physical world and the spirit world break down and so it facilitates this contact and communication between humans and the denizens of the underworld right or the other world whichever way you'd like to say that mm. And I know that you're going to go into the best rituals and spells that would be great to do at this time of year. Oh, yeah. We're going to leave y'all with plenty of ideas. Awesome. And so during this time back in Celtic, back in 2,500 years ago, (laughs) uh, the Celtics would light a hearth fire in the family home. And then they would, you know, after they would light it, they would go out and they would The last of the harvest. Right. And as they did this, the idea was that the hearth fire would would burn out. Mm. And once the harvest was gathered, they would then go to this to this communal area where they had a druid priest there and they would light this community bonfire. Wow. And to do that, they would actually use this wheel that represented the sun. So they would use it, you know, they'd spark the fire through this wheel. And they also actually use this tool throughout their
0: prayers That's over such the That's a cool visual. Yeah. <laughs> that whole process. And I love the community aspect of like everybody's fire restarts from the same fire.
1: Ah, exactly. And so, yeah, once they were done with that, or actually, well, w- while they were doing this, they would do certain things like sacrifice cattle and they would prepare food for both the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. again, you're connected to your ancestors. You don't want to forget them. You want to make sure they have food. They're going to be hungry. They, only they want some mashed potatoes. <laughs> Don't <know>? we all. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know the Celtics ate mashed potatoes, but you get the point. If they didn't, they should have. They should have. I okay, mean mashed potatoes are are great. They're a bomb. They are. And so once the ceremony was done, they would like you mentioned the community aspect of it, they would take a flame from the communal bonfire and they would take that back to their home to relight the hearth fires back at their house. That's beautiful. Yeah, and this was a this was a way to protect them from fairies while
0: welcoming their ancestors. Home. Oh, I yes. forget in Celtic times how mischievous fairies can be. Yeah, and they they even, were very mischievous. I mean, forever. I don't know why I said it was only then, because I mean, then you get you see them as these like sprightly little friends that kids have. Exactly. When really they were like please give like us your Tinkerbell babies and here's or, a changeling. Like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we'll raise your human child
1: as our own. Right. I love it. Yeah. So today we obviously associate this time of the year with vampires and zombies and werewolves and ghouls and what have you. But like I mentioned earlier, for the Celts, it was mainly fairies they were concerned with and worried about. They're like those fairies. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah. And so what they would do is they'd leave these offerings for fairies outside of their home and they would even dress up as like animals and monsters. So the fairies were not tempted to kidnap any of them or their ancestors who might be crossing over the veil during this time. That's smart.
0: So that's like the trick-or-treating
1: beginnings. Well, it's crazy, right? So you see that this tradition of dressing up during this time... Like during now, during modern times, has lived on after twenty five hundred years or so, so that we can date this back to all the way to this original celebration of Win And what's even crazier
0: is that most people these days don't even know where that tradition comes from or right. why it's done. It's so interesting. Yeah, I I wonder if you asked like anybody walking down the street when oh, no. they thought Halloween yeah. started. I wonder what they'd say. I, I highly doubt people- it would know it had something to do with Celts or Irish or whatever, yeah. but I doubt it, yeah. I doubt it. I mean, and I think say if you're we putting a percentage and- on
1: that, maybe like 2% Yeah, if even that, that's I don't amazing.
0: know. <laughs> we'll have to do a, an online poll.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, to me, that that's just very interesting how like a lot of those traditions have lived on, but we maybe do them a little differently or understand them a little differently. Right. Then we get into like the Middle Ages where... You know, one is still a massive part of, of the culture, but bonfires tend to start getting a little bit more personal. You start seeing bonfires that are closer to people's farms and it's Ugh. a way to protect the family from fairies and witches. Smart. Yeah. And so and this is actually during the time where we, where we see, uh, like the jack-o'-lantern tradition comes from. I love that. Yeah. But the thing is, they didn't use pumpkins originally. They originally carved turnips or potatoes.
0: Uh, you're like, who was like, that turnip, I need to carve something on that. That'd make a real good lantern. You think so? A turnip? Yeah, a tur- I mean... But I feel like a turnip's like harder to scoop out. But I also wonder out. about what turnips looked like at that time. Do you think that they were bigger? You're
1: right. You're right. Okay, who knows? That, yeah. that that's
0: That is very true. I don't know. Anyway... I also love the story of jack-o'-lanterns because I don't remember it entirely, but I know that there was a man who was trying to escape the devil by carving faces onto a turnip. Yeah. but There was a part about the lantern because that's where the lantern part comes in. I don't know. I'm going to Google it later. Yeah.
1: We'll have to go again. That's a Google. That's a fact check.
0: Yep. (laughs) We got to check
1: that. So don't quote us. But yeah, exactly. So and then like it wasn't until later and the Irish decided to switch over to pumpkins, which makes sense because pumpkins, you know, they're stronger. Right. They're more like, yeah, they're more resilient even after you carve out their insides. Oh, that's a fun day. Yeah, Mm. that's fun. Looking forward to that. It's funny. David, my husband, had never carved a pumpkin before he met me. He's Australian. So, so So the first, yeah, right. So the first Halloween that we were together I was like you have to carve a pumpkin he yeah. loved it he was obsessed I was like it's my tradition every get Halloween one dirty. pumpkin at least
0: you just scoop the brains out yeah it's disgusting it's intense it's definitely very it's if hard work like mushy goopy stuff it's not going to be for you no definitely not I'm and telling it's hard you work. all like you've never done this but I know you have and yeah. if you haven't get your butt out there and buy a pumpkin <laughs> buy a pumpkin and do it and, and carve, carve
1: it. it it's worth it it's it's so much fun and so yeah so you have the kind of the tradition of where the pumpkin or jack-o'-lantern started and then during this time we also see the tradition of a dumb supper and the reason why they were called dumb suppers is because these suppers were actually supposed to be completely silent Mm -hmm. and oh dumb being like not able to speak
0: exactly exactly yeah which feels like kind of an antiquated term
1: oh very antiquated so yeah definitely not pc or anything like so, that yeah, so yeah so that is why it was called a tub supper they were completely silent and people would set up not only a feast for the living but a separate table with chairs and a feast for the dead and place settings and, everything. and a place cool. settings as well as a chair and usually like the head of the head chair would have a black cloth laid over it wow And, you know, the idea was that this feast would tempt the ghosts of the ancestors to come back and visit. Wow. And then there are later, during later periods and times... As things transitioned, these suppers actually would have in or would include children playing games to keep the ancestors entertained while adults
0: like made sure to give them all the scoop on what they had missed as obviously they were dead. Yeah, my granny is. She's gonna come back this year. I swear <laughs> to God, she's like, "Girl, tell me everything. Who's this guy?" <laughs> exactly. You said yes. Who's but this did you guy? It? How do he propose? Where's this house? When are you gonna have a baby? Exactly. Okay. Grandma. You
1: know that would be the first question. That's good old Nana. The first she'd be question. like, "When are you gonna put those beans in the oven?" Beans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah.
1: Lord. So during these dumb suppers, they would also wear masks. To hide their identities. Mm. And usually everything was done backwards. Isn't that weird? I think that's wild. Yeah. So they would like the knife and the fork place setting would be opposite. Oh my and, God. Like a mirror world. Yes. Ew. And they would, you know, eat
0: dessert and then go backwards in the, in the meal. I mean, doesn't everyone eat dessert? I mean, I first? definitely eat dessert. I first. eat dessert first and last.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dessert all the time for every meal. Every meal, exactly. So yeah, there. It, you know, there are definitely variants on where, or are, I should say, when the dumb supper takes place. For some, it was at midnight, but for others, it's a meal that's taken at dusk because that's actually what pagans believe to be the threshold time itself, when the the barrier is at its weakest. Mm. So once christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities church leaders definitely attempted to try to reframe Sawin as a christian celebration and we
0: see this a lot yeah, you know it's like colonialism exactly
1: you know you know austera and easter and yule and christmas yeah christians be stealing stuff yeah and i think that's another idea for a great episode we're gonna the things that christians this... have stolen yeah right the, there's just so much symbology and yeah. so many there's a little bit of like magic jealousy oh definitely festivals mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that christians have taken to try to you know i love that concept reframe as something to explore yeah and so the one of the first attempts was In the fifth century by pope boniface and he tried he well he moved the celebration to may 13th the holiday the new holiday didn't really change like it It didn't didn't, it didn't make a big effect Yeah. yeah the new holiday didn't take away with pagan aspects of the celebration and so october 31st became known as all hallows eve or halloween yeah and it contained much of the traditional pagan practices and that was, but be, that was before being adopted in the 19th century America through the Irish immigrants bringing their traditions right across the ocean. So that kind of brings us into modern times and kind of where you're
0: gonna kind of take Pick off up. head on. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting thinking about like like the Irish traditions and the sort of Celtic traditions. Towards you know a couple hundred years ago versus now, or versus twenty five hundred years ago, and I'm yeah thinking about the the places that trick or treating began, that bobbing for apples, all these things that we associate with fall, the jack o' lanterns, like you said, I think it's fascinating to know that that's hundreds and then thousands of years old, and yeah. all of these practices have this much much earlier beginning with real earthly connections which I super appreciate. So we're coming up to the 1980s. And this is when Wicca became increasingly more popular and, and publicized, I suppose. Th- that's not that long ago. So like 30 years, only 30 years ago. Math. Yeah, 30. Okay. 30 plus, we'll say almost 40 years ago, which is weird and uh, makes me feel strange. I and- know, because I'm <laughs> 33. I know, girl. I'm I'm not. (laughs) I'm 32. Anyway, so... Oh, that's such a big difference. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wicca uh, was really... There was a big movement around Wicca to bring Halloween celebrations back to the traditions in Samhain. Mm. And it allowed for the Celtic roots of the holiday to show themselves again. Well, isn't there also, you know, at
1: least in my research I found, and I, I don't know if you bring this up, but there's these people called Celtic
0: reconstructionists. Right. Yeah. So they were really interested in holding these fire ceremonies again and treating this holiday like the pagan fire holiday that it was. Mm -hmm. And one of the sort of four anchor points throughout the year. And it, like you said, is the witch's new year. So it was a real end of one year, beginning of a new year. And these reconstructionists might display juniper decorations around their home and there was a big push towards building altars to the dead and mm. to dead ancestors, which totally reminds me of the ofrendas from Coco. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie and the Mexican culture. Yeah. Um, which you see in Day of the Dead celebrations. And yeah. that same idea. I mean it goes along with the Feast of the Dead, which is the the Dumb Suppers that you mentioned with that idea of setting a place or a table, an entire table dedicated to dead loved ones, Mm -hmm. loved ones who have passed on and giving them food and sustenance and, and grace and reverence and all these things. And that is really special to me. I mean, I, I just think, you know, when people die, who knows where they go, they could end up in a number of different places. Their spirits could be here, there elsewhere. Well, unless you're, like a celebrity who has like tons of movies, or your architect who's left tons of buildings. Right. Yeah, like your legacy. What, your legacy is the people who remember you, right? Which is so so important to think about and and think about that in the way that you make a mark on the world. And so, you know, when we're talking about ancestors, I also don't believe that that has to do with bloodlines at all. That yeah. could be you know, a family friend. It could be your chosen family. It's who you chose. Yeah. just, yeah, the family that you've chosen. And so I love that idea of this feast for the dead. But again, we've talked about this before. We're both relatively solitary. We are witchcraft. Yes. And whereas, you know, we've done now a couple of rituals together. Yeah. I still feel more and most comfortable practicing by myself. Of course. So I yeah. thought I would come to this conversation with some more solitary traditions to that's talk about. A, yeah, that's fantastic. And there are, are a number of quick things that I can rattle off. I'll go into a couple of them a little deeper. But these ideas, you know, think about what Sawin stands for and what what we're talking about in terms of the time of year. So this would be a really great time to immerse yourself in nature reflect on the cycle of death and rebirth so like go on a walk in a cemetery and really take stock of what's around you and and these ancestral landing points for a lot of physical you know representations of our bodies yeah
1: it's crazy to me i don't think there's anything better than nature that represents
0: the cycle of life death and and rebirth to the earth exactly and the the life cycle of trees and the fact that you know their leaves change colors fall off come back it's really very visceral beautiful experience to to witness throughout the year so that's something you could do solo with friends you can light candles and memories of your ancestors. You can also, I mean, I it's, I find it to be a really great time to do tarot for myself. Mm-hmm. So if you are a reader or of any kind, I mean, you can do any number of, of oracle ty- type readings. It's a good time to commune with the dead. I don't recommend ever touching a Ouija board. (laughs) So don't use it as Personal
1: preference. I think, I think I agree with you, but that's, you know, again, that's personal preference, but also there's, I think there's a lot of, of power in, in, the Ouija board and it's all about energy. And yes, it is another way of dowsing, but I think there is just not enough respect given to it. And so unless you are truly understanding of its power and understanding of you know its capabilities, process, yeah, and the process. And I the think opening and closing, closing and the exactly. closing exactly of if the you, circle, yeah. yeah. And if you want to try dowsing, you know, go the pendulum board route or something like that. But again, that's just our personal. Yeah, that's my. It's that's certainly an, my I thought. agree. That's that's it's just also my like, personal. You know, a
0: fun game that kids can play. But I've watched enough ghost shows to know that that's <laughs> that's maybe not a good idea for everyone. But anyway, it is a good time to receive messages and to communicate with the dead because as we talked about the veils a little thinner at that time of year so some other op- opportunities for reflection and ritual I'm I really want to talk in depth about Samhain altars oh yeah so for witches that are new to the practice and maybe have never set up an altar before I'd love to talk to you for a second I that was a place that was wonderful for me to get started in practicing witchcraft because I could understand the desire for the visual of an altar in front of me that I could look at and and it's a place to to sort of bury your focus. Yeah, to say this is where like these are the things in my life that mean something to me and are sim symb- that there's some symbology behind and symbolism behind and. And it was a way, you know, I, I kind of started like putting, I put out like a doily for my grandma and yeah. then put her picture there and then put like some feminine things around that I had like a, like a feminist book that I had and a pink candle because it made me think of the feminine. And so all these things that I'm kind of building by myself without any real knowledge of the craft and what things stood for. Well, I think, I think that
1: it's great that you bring that up because to me, I feel like two things, right? Saw one first is a festival that is very still, I guess, it is kind of modernized in certain ways, and right. so there, it's easier to connect with because we have Halloween, and it's still kind of connected to this idea of like connecting, you know, the the ghouls and the ghosts and the afterlife. So th- that kind of also makes it like an easier door to like walk through to sure. when you're looking into like this idea of maybe practicing witchcraft or this idea of of uh, figuring out your own path. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is that you know you brought up the whole altar, you know Having a win altar and the thing is is like a lot of people and again this is very personal so what what feels right to you but for some people so, you know altars are are very steady and and not constantly
0: like, present and
1: and yeah and very just like I, I don't know the words probably the word that I'm using is not right, but it's just for the lack of better words, stagnant. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it's the same throughout the whole time. Consistent. Consistent. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's the better word. I, I'm, I'm brain, my mush is, you know, brain is a mush. So yeah, but that's not, you know, you can create altars and you can change your altars and you can have a Samhain altar. You can, or if you're feeling
0: the element of air, you can have an air altar. You can have a if you Yule need to be altar. more grounded, an earth altar. Exactly. So these things that, whatever reminds you, And there's not a prescription there. I mean, there are, of course, the more you look into it, there are crystals that mean certain things that might help your focus. But if you don't know what those are, then don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what (laughs) I, you'll learn. You'll continue to learn. Yeah. And we've talked about
1: this so much is that witchcraft, the great thing about witchcraft is that it's very, it's very personal to you. So what feels right to you? There's you know, you can learn foundational things and you can learn. It's 90% about intention. Yeah, exactly. But it's focus. more about
0: your intention and what feels right to you. Exactly. And so when I'm thinking about a saw altar, I personally am thinking about things that remind me of fall and remind me of late fall in particular. So on, on its way into winter. So things like, you know, crunchy leaves and yeah. like harvest food. So I'll put some pumpkins or squashes or some cute decorative something or other like a gourd or the cornucopia that visual to me is is really very fall oriented and I might also leave things that remind me of cemeteries or the dead or I'll put you know that's another side of this is is this idea of the ofrenda and like wanting to celebrate your ancestors Mm -hmm. and have photos of them so that they can Know that you're thinking about them, that their legacy is continuing because you remember who they are. Yeah. And to, to really take this time to spend moments reliving times with them and maybe saying the messages that you haven't been able to say since they've been gone. And yeah, just to commune with them a little bit. So, any of these things, I mean, yeah, berries, there's all kinds of stuff, acorns, stuff from outside. You can go on a walk and maybe find a rock that's sort of em- emanating something towards yeah, you and calling take your that. Name. Assuming you can, don't take anything from like a sacred area. <laughs> please don't. You yes. can, you know, grab Very that thoughtful, pebble mm-hmm. from the park and bring it home and put it on your altar if it's really calling to you. And I love that. That's a, It's a really, really nice time to get into altar building if you are so inclined to do that. But otherwise, do it any time. Yeah. There's put no that rhyme or reason or rule or law. I remember when I first started making altars, I feel like maybe even the first one I ever did, I realized that I was just feeling unmoored, unfocused, and I needed a hit of creativity. So I remember Googling what colors are like make creativity happen in yeah. your life whatever and it was like all the bright colors orange red yellow all these like very like passion like colors of a passion, passion yeah, and sunshine all these things and I was like yeah that's right so I remember going to Moonshadow and yeah. getting a couple like I got I know I got a, a yellow candle and an orange candle and like a clear quartz to sort of amplify all of it and And I did just the slightest bit of research, didn't spend much money, and I put together, I grabbed everything orange that I had and put it all on top of my dresser and, like, cleared a little space for it. Again, probably put a doily down because that's my jam. (laughs) You love those doilies? I do love a doily on an altar. (laughs) I just do. And so, and I have these old ones from my grandma that I use. and. I put those on the table and they sat there for weeks and i didn't change it i just needed that influx and then i'd pull a card and leave the card there for the day or the week or whatever i, I needed it for so yeah again this is just a place to put your energy yeah. in my opinion focus and your energy yeah to focus your energy and it's also awesome because you know it's there even if you're not at home and it doesn't matter where you put it. You don't have to put it out in the open. You can put it in a drawer. You exactly. You can put it in a box. You can sort of have just your special place that you can revisit in your mind no matter where you are in the world. You know what's on your altar. And that's pretty simple. And special. it's for you. That's it's the main point. You. It's for you. Yeah. So another couple rituals that I think could be fun to delve into are the ritual to guide the spirits. Ooh. And this one is has to do with Yeah, guiding the spirits from where they are in the world, stuck perhaps on on their way into passing into the next realm. So I'm going to read this. So what you do is you place a a white seven-day candle in the window, which is a slow-burning candle to guide the dead to the spirit world. You light the candle and speak these words. Oh, little flame that burns so bright, be a beacon on this night. Light the path for all the dead that they may see now what's ahead and lead them to the summer land and shine until pan takes their hands. And with your light, please bring them peace that they may rest and sleep with ease. So that's really sweet. That is very sweet. I love it. I'm going to do that. I've never done that before. I haven't 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 done that one before out the wazoo, but I have not specifically done this guide to spirits ritual, which I feel for some reason, particularly drawn to this year, which I'm also going to listen to because yeah, Maybe I, I, I think maybe I have some spirits hanging around that I need to help move on their way. I agree. I feel the same way. I feel you. I feel you
1: When when you, when you shared it, I was like, I need to do that. It's like, there was something that was like, I need to do that. Right. Especially because obviously I was, I'm dealing with the passive. Right. And there's so much,
0: so much happening in the world right now that I think their spirits have reason to be stuck here in a way that they could use a little extra help. Yeah. So maybe that's it. And we're here to do that. We're here to help. And then the other ritual I want to talk about quickly is going back to this bonfire magic. So fire is a huge, huge part of Samhain from ancient times to now. And I think, you know, that translates just to having these big bonfires in the fall. But there's a piece of that that is, you know, burning things rids you of them. It also, it transforms. So we talk about, you know, like energy has to go somewhere. So there's that whole transformation of oxygen to flame to back to oxygen and ash and all these different pieces. And so there's this element of, you know, there could be this piece of divination where there's a flame practice and in divining where you stare into a flame until it starts to show you things and, there's I do that I find myself doing that you know when I'm camping and looking into a fire that's oh, a, yeah, absolutely. a place for me to feel that energy exchange and to sort of see pictures sometimes and and that's yeah a cool th- a cool thing to do on around Sawin to because that veil is so thin that maybe you'll get a message a little easier than normal which you know could be for better, for worse. Yeah. And there's also this idea of imagining release. So offering things, letting them go, releasing, all of these words. And they go up with the flames and you can move forward a newer blank slate version of yourself. Which leads me to a couple other things. First, I want to talk about pop culture (laughs) because I'm into that. What about
1: pop culture?
0: Before I get to share... a a ritual that I really love. I want to talk about pop culture because at some point while I was doing this research, I thought to myself, where's the first place I heard Samhain and Samhain is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Yes. So if you've been listening to this episode and you maybe didn't realize that that word is what we're saying, that's a good point. It's Samhain or Samhain or so wins there's, you know, yeah, there's variations. a couple of pronunciations of it. It looks like Sam Hain. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> I remember so. actually a long time ago using that for a couple of things. And when I was telling David, my husband, you know, he'd asked me and I was like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I said Sam Hain because he wouldn't have known otherwise. Yeah. Like I was like, if I would say saw when, he'd be like, wait, that doesn't spell, like, i trying to spell that out. You'd have to just, say every letter. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, where did I hear this first? And it struck me that I remember from one of the Halloween movies, Michael, spoiler alert, the bad guy. He is the <laughs> I one I think in the you're big big good with that mass. spoiler. Okay, just checking. Um, <laughs> he he writes Sawin on a chalkboard in an elementary school in blood. Yeah. And then Dr. Loomis, he says Samhain. Does he really? I don't remember that. And I never put that together, but something reminded me of it the other day, and I was like, "Oh man, that's so funny that that's like off on the wrong foot." But
1: <laughs> so, so no, no biggie. It is not an easy word to pronounce. Yes, you would no not judgment. know it unless there was and some. And generally,
0: to know it. if you say it either way, people will know clearly know what you're talking about. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that, of course, comes to mind is the wondrous beauty that is Glenn Danzig's Samhain. Oh, the band, yes. Um, Post Misfits, which is also wonderful if anyone yes. is so inclined in a little bit of late 80s.
1: Who isn't inclined rock, to a little bit of late 80s? No.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Glenn Danzig. What a dreamboat. Love his devil lock. <laughs> Anyway, so that
1: brings You're us- You're like
0: off topic, but going know, off topic, let's talk about devil locks. <laughs> so for our biweekly offering, I wanted to bring a ritual that I love to do. This is my ultimate favorite. If I had to pick one ritual, this is my jam. This is one I never miss. I'm excited because I know we talked about this earlier
1: and I actually have not done this ritual before. So I'm, this year it's happening. So this is called Apple
0: Resolutions. Love it. Me too. And and it's... So the apple itself is just very prevalent throughout magical history. Mm -hmm. But one thing I learned, which I kind of mentioned earlier, is that the name apple is misleading. And most fruits were called apples until like way later than you'd expect. I never knew that. Never knew that. Yeah, it's like anything. So anything that was a fruit would be called an apple. So... App, like, you know, it makes me think of it, French, pomme de terre yeah. is what they call potatoes, which is apple of the earth. Yes. And that makes me think of like, oh, well, all these fruits, so pineapples, mangos all They're so papaya. worldly. World, stop it. It's called it's the a worldly. world the internet. <laughs> and all of these things. So... Yeah. I'll, so you don't know. I mean, even in the Bible, they don't actually use the word apple. They yeah. call it the forbidden fruit. It could have been anything. I mean. Yeah. I
1: don't know, actually. I mean, I felt like I, I looked into this a, a long time ago, but again, my memory fails me where the kind of context of people putting apple thinking that was an apple. It was
0: a translation at some point. It could have been the King James version. Yeah. I didn't look deeply into it, but yeah, just the concept that that piece of fruit could have been anything that was popular in probably like the middle east yeah whatever fruit was was most popular there and then certainly you know we talked about fruit changing and being scientific well yeah that's crazy at this point and i did know that i i did know because you know i'd seen stuff about what fruit looks like today it's yeah. like not even close to what that, it like, looked the like the original apples were more like little tiny crab apples yeah that they've just kind of been grafted and blown up into these huge yeah. fruity Amazing. Have you seen things. bananas, what they looked like before? Oh, yeah. So, so weird. So wild. So, yeah. So, we, we don't know off what, topic again. <laughs> when we're talking apples throughout the history of magic, that is sort of encompassing all fruit. Yeah. <laughs> and in this case, I want to talk about apples as we know them today those little ripe, often red, delicious. Mm. mm. In the Pacific Northwest, y'all, I have to say, we are rife with apples. We, we are not short on apples times. for sure. We will never run out of apples in the Northwest. Nope. And it's a it's that time of year, and you go into the grocery store and they have apple tastings with like fifty different types of apples. I know, it's amazing. So different. It's apple heaven. It's apple heaven, also called Pacific Northwest. (laughs) And so so apples stand for immortality and fertility. They often represent the sun because they're in the shape of a globe and they're just prevalent, yeah, throughout the history of magic. And through a lot of mythology as well and all kinds of Right, stories and it's awesome. But next time you're thinking of like any any story like Snow White, you're like, what if she bit into a banana or like what if she bit into "Mm." a full pineapple? You're like, girl, you gotta (laughs) cut that thing first. So just holding up a huge watermelon, she's like, it tastes so good, Uh, and then she dies. Okay, (laughs) yeah, but then she has to like cut it, and how is she gonna do that? It's too dramatic. It's too much. (laughs) Too much work. Yeah. So then, with this ritual, what I do is I take an apple. And I cut it sideways so from side to side so that you can see both sides of the star in the middle, the pentacle.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> so I will hold both the sides of the apple in each of my hands with the pentacle up. And you can do several different things versions of this but what I like to do is just use my energy and try to pump these suckers full of all the negative crap that I've dealt with throughout the year that I am ready to let go of nice all the negative energy all of the uh habits and patterns that I'm really ready to let go of it's like I'm just ready to let go of insecurity yeah just get rid of it I don't need it anymore it's not serving me I didn't do a great job fighting against it this past year so it's I okay love you have to. another year coming and know, you'll you'll do year. it so I, I'm gonna say, you know, to this apple, please. T- I'm putting my insecurities into you. I want you to absorb it, take it away. I'm letting it go. It's time for me to have a blank slate to be able to like pump some confidence back into myself and leave some open space to do that. So once I do that, you can also write that and then like slide it into in between the apple and put the apple back together with uh, wooden toothpicks or something. Oh, nice. Okay. Um. Yeah. Something that. Can biodegrade, burn, yeah, and then so once the apple, or you can just put it back together with your hands and hold it that way, and you can either burn the apple in a bonfire, make sure it's big enough that you're gonna burn that thing. That sounds like my favorite. It's so fun. You can bury the apple, and I would Mm -hmm. also recommend putting it somewhere where an apple tree could grow. Nice, because it's not unheard of. And then, and that's that's a beautiful image to me. This idea of like. I'm going to bury this thing that's full of what I'm letting go of. And it's going to grow into this beautiful new fruit tree yeah. and like dissipate all of that negative crap and turn it into this beautiful thing. I love full of energy and life. A good metaphor. Yeah. And then you can also do the thing that I like to do, which is the most cathartic thing I do all year long, which is smash that apple, smash that apple. I like to hold it up as high as I can above my head and just chuck it at the ground. Okay. I take it back. I think that sounds like my favorite. That's everyone's favorite thing because <laughs> it is just so cathartic. It's like you just smash it and then I stomp on it. I like turn it into mush on the ground. Sir, and then apple, apple I, will I have no need for you. I have no need. Crush. And I will like scoop everything up and then put it in the fire or then bury it in the ground. Yeah. But that initial feeling of of I am actively doing my part in getting this off of my myself, my chest and getting rid of it i don't need it take it and to me it's just very cathartic and I, what
1: an apropos
0: time the new year apple po time apple oh, po time dying. look at yeah you know. so that's my favorite it reminds me of you know it's like new year's resolutions without the pressure of, of putting a goal on yourself yeah it's like allowing yourself a blank slate rather than putting so much pressure at the beginning of a new year which has it's, always been weird to me
1: yeah it's weird i mean i mean that's why people make fun of oh here's another new year's resolution Yep. no i like that it's not a goal that you're setting that you have
0: to achieve it's something that you're doing right then and there right you're letting go of this yeah and making space for positive new things to come in i love it so that's a brief overview of sawin Yeah, that's, but also, Hey dude, get out there. Halloween it up, Halloween it up, whichever way
1: feels right to you. Yeah. You know, know, grab some doilies or wear some costumes (laughs) or (laughs) yeah. Whatever you need to do, what feels right for you
0: dance, do it, celebrate the end of that round of the summer.
1: Yes. Get
0: up in that darkness. Yep. and And just enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's a good time to do it. It's the, you know, celebration of life. And I think it's perf it makes perfect sense to me to wrap Halloween in with a Samhain, you know, more somber, reverent experience. Of course. Because to me, in life, you have all sides of the coin. You have the joy and the grief and the reverence and the partying and all celebration, and all these things. Exactly. I mean, I
1: you know, death is just a piece of the puzzle. It's just another Part of the cycle of life and right. rebirth, and I, I don't think, you know, we can. I know it's easier to accept birth, yeah, but you know, you can't have one without the other, right? Just like you can't have joy without sorrow, you can't have tears without laughter, you can't have—I often have tears death. and
0: laughter, <laughs> exactly. know <laughs> where I'm at many times. So we thank you for joining us yeah. again on yeah. this journey.
1: Hopefully, you're you're enjoying these episodes and yeah. you're enjoying the information we're giving you, if you are, and sharing with
0: you. Yeah. We'd love for you to leave us a review. Yes. A five-star review. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers crossed on iTunes. We, uh, it really helps people to find us, especially being a newer podcast. It's incredibly helpful to get those reviews online. So if you don't mind taking a couple seconds to do that, yeah. iTunes, Stitcher, all those places, anywhere that it allows. So, on Instagram, you can find
1: us at Magic and Mythos. And then our Twitter handle is at underscore Magic and Mythos. And then on Facebook, we're just Magic and Mythos Podcast. Um, and of course, you can listen to us anywhere on iTunes, on Spotify, where else? You know, all the places that, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and then don't forget that if you have any questions or comments or anything at all, feel free to email us at at magicandmythospodcastgmail.com. And then one final note is that if you're interested in where we get any of our information for our episodes, then feel free to look on our website. We have a source list to make sure that we give credit to where credit
0: is deserved. Yes. And it's all Wikipedia. I'm just kidding. It's not.
1: (laughs) Just kidding. It's more than that. But yeah. So in case you're interested, we always make sure that we include all the sources that we use. All right. Well, that's it. Until next time. Remember... As above, so below. Oh, and happy Samhain. Happy Samhain. (laughs) Spooky Samhain. Spooky, scary (laughs) skeleton.